Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Last week, we learned of our duty as individuals, as members of the body of Jesus Christ to uh, understand and pay back what, what has been invested into us, what we owe to others. And it was in the context of widows and who is to be put on the list. And so we're returning to that today. We're going to have to figure out what in the world the list is. Um, a widow is to be put on the list only if, and you've got these criteria, these qualifications that are listed but we better understand what the list is, right? And so we have a continued, wonderful, practical teaching for women this morning for what work they should be engaged at in, in at home and in the church, for the interaction between those two spheres, and how it changes based on her age and her family situation. And we also learn a great deal about the work of the church as we study this. What the, what the church is to be engaged in, how it loves and cares for those who are members, those who are believers, those who are a part of the body. And... Surprise, surprise, we get to learn about deaconesses. Now, of course, deaconess is a popular uh, topic of discussion these days, and so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ideas floating around out there. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of abuse, I would say, of God's word and a lot of abuse of even just the word deaconess to promote things that are completely contrary to this passage. And so now let's read it and let's see what God has to say to us about the list. So please stand for the reading of God's word, 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 16. Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. For this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well, so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, 
He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to put younger widows on the list, for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also... They, At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer, has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. As I said last week, this honor widows who are widows indeed is very clearly speaking of a financial arrangement of some sort, that they are being provided for, paid by the church. There is to be a place for particular women on the payroll of the church. This is not simply a provision for the needs of those who are completely destitute. Okay? Because it's clear that the work of the church is caring for the destitute, right? The deacons were set apart as officers in the early church specifically to make sure that the needs of those who were without any way to provide for themselves were met, so that the apostles, so that the pastors and elders did not have to be sidetracked from their main work of studying, prayer, and being in God's word and teaching. This is what the deacons were given to. And of course, we also have many commands throughout Scripture to care for the orphan, the widow, the alien, the stranger, the... uh, the sojourner in your midst, those who have needs, those who are in jail, those who are sick, those who need clothing, all of this is the responsibility of the church. Okay? And so then when you have this passage, which is talking about who is and isn't to be on the list, the first thing that we have to say is that it can't be talking about simply who is going to be cared for. It definitely addresses that, that there is, uh, there is a need on the part of um, the church to be careful who they are providing for, that if, if there is somebody else who can provide, that somebody else is supposed to provide. Uh, 
if there's other family, that, that there's, a, uh, there's a repayment that needs to be made on their part. There's, a, there's the only people who are supposed to be provided for from the church are those who have nowhere else to turn. And part of this passage goes beyond that and speaks particularly of those who are widows indeed. And it goes on to define those widows who have others to provide for them versus those who don't, those widows that have other work that they're supposed to be doing and those that don't. And so those who are to, those widows that are to be honored specifically, and again, we're talking about that financial, not simply provision, but that position. Just like it says later on in our chapter, in fact, the very next verse, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching that we're talking about a financial arrangement here. And in particular, a financial arrangement that has duties and expectations coming along with it. If you will, a job description. So who are these women? Well, they are women who meet certain requirements of good Christian character, and who then give themselves to certain work. Let's start with the character. What is the character that she must have? Well, she prays. And in particular, prays as opposed to pursuing wanton pleasure. Now, life is not about having a good time or having fun. This used to be my continuous prayer as a child, that we would have a good time. But this is not the purpose of life. And as a child, there's, uh, as much as it pained my parents that I prayed that all the time, there is some uh, extenuating circumstance there that I don't quite realize what the purpose of life is yet. As far as I'm aware, that's about all there is to it. Either you're having a good time or you're not. And thankfully, at some point, I grew out of that. And I began to realize that there was much more to life than simply having a good time. You understand, children? You're to grow out of that. You're supposed to learn, begin to realize that it's not just about having a good time, but that you're supposed to be learning to work hard. You're supposed to even be going through hard things. And this is why when we're talking about discipline, we say, yeah, it's not a good time. That's what the Bible says. Nobody likes it. It's not fun at the moment, but that it produces something better than a good time. It produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness in our lives. And that's our bigger goal. And that's what we begin to see described of the women 
who are to be added to the list. There are still, sadly, older women who do nothing and have no goal in life other than to pursue wanton pleasure. Now, wanton pleasure is uh, descriptive, but it, well, unless you know the word wanton, it doesn't really, uh, it's not that helpful of a description. Um, so, wanton pleasure would mean uh, pursuing pleasure without, without end, without restraint, um, and without, uh, without any dignity or understanding of the purpose and place of pleasure in life. So in other words, it's possible for you children to grow up and to grow old even and to never grow beyond thinking that your whole purpose and goal in life is just to have a good time. And if you do that, then you will not be fit for office in Christ's church. And that goes for you girls too. You will not be fit to be added to this list, whatever it is. So this is the start of the good character, that she does not pursue wanton pleasure, but that she prays. She gives herself to prayer. She has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. And so what you're seeing is a picture of a woman who we've already described doesn't have any other family responsibilities. There's no other relatives. There's nobody else for her to turn to. And so she has at her disposal all of her time. You see, there's, there's just free time. And f- again, for kids, we think, though, well, that's the best thing in the world. Free time. That's what we live for, free time. We can just do whatever we want so we can make sure we have a good time. But you know what happens, kids? You get bored, don't you? And so you begin to, you begin to do things that are bad. And that's what pursuing wanton pleasure is. When you're left with your free time and, and, and it's totally up to you what to do, and you just decide, yeah, you know what? I think it would be fun to... I was, I was a kid, and me and my friend were hanging out, and he thought it would be fun to start breaking windows in the garage next door. Wanton pleasure. It wasn't good, though. I got in trouble for it. And so we begin to learn that actually... Th- there's something much better for us to give ourselves to than just when we have free time. Like, yippee, no constraints. There are constraints. And here is a woman who has learned what the constraints are, that, that the thing that she can give herself to now that she has no other responsibilities is what? Prayer. And she casts herself on the Lord when she has no other responsibilities and when she has no other hope. 
And there's another aspect to it that we don't get to apply to children, really, except to orphans. Okay? That, that she has nobody. She has nothing to do. That that's, a, that that's actually a sad thing. She's lost her family. She's lost her husband. She has no children left to care for, to, to be dependent on, for them to depend on her. She is truly alone. And so she gives herself to prayer. Now, what else can we say about her character? Well, we can also say that she only had one husband. She was not divorced. So, in other words, as it begins to describe the, the requirements for a woman to be, for a widow to be added to the list, it goes back in time into how she lived prior to the present. When she still had a husband, was she faithful to that husband? When she still had children, she was bringing up children. That's what she had given herself to. And so you go back and it says that she had to have been a woman in the past who was married to one man. She had to have been a woman who gave herself to the good works. And what are the good works? Well, we just started on the list, bringing up children, hospitality to strangers, washing the saints' feet, assisting those in distress, and devoted to any other good works appropriate for women. So this is a list of of good work that women are supposed to be giving themselves to, not simply so that they can be on this list, but because that's the work that women have been given to do by God. And so this is the test. This is the description of what their life is supposed to have looked like prior to the time when they are an older woman, widowed, without children, no family left, And that list also seems to be the job description for the work that she is to do for the church. So let's go back through that list. Here she is. She's been added to the list of widows. Why? Well, because she has shown herself committed to doing the work that that group of women is supposed to be doing. Bringing up children, hospitality to strangers, washing the saints' feet, assisting those in distress. These are the good works. And this is the work that that group is supposed to give themselves to. And so we might as well call this group deaconesses, if it wasn't for the abuse of that word today. Because today when you say the word deaconess, what everybody seems to mean is a woman deacon. 
as opposed to a female servant, which is what the word means. Deacon just means servant. Deaconess just means female servant. So here we have laid out very clearly that there is a list, a list of women, and that this list of women, there's an understanding implicit in this text that that those women are to give themselves to particular work. Now, what is that particular work? Well, we're... It's implicit because what we're told is why women shouldn't be added to the list, right? So for two reasons they shouldn't be added to the list that that make this very clear. The first is if they still have other responsibilities in the area of that work. They still have a husband. They still have children. They still have others to care for. They still have this work to do within the home. Or they never bothered doing it. Either way, they don't get added to the list of women who are supposed to be doing that. And so today, there's a, it's very popular to uh, be progressive by promoting the idea of having female deacons as opposed to what is described here. And you can tell that it's totally the opposite because you're no longer... You, 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 the, the moment that you begin to talk about what the requirements are for the women that are going to be added to this list, and this is, this is by far the most explicit place in Scripture that you could possibly go to look for support for there being something called deaconesses, or re- remotely close to that. Okay, This is definitely the strongest passage anywhere in the Bible that you have to support that. Now, having said that, you then have to use this text to figure out what in the world a supposed deaconess would be. And if you use this text, what you find is that it looks nothing like what everybody is trying to make deaconesses to be today, which is simply to say, just another deacon, but a woman. You look at this list, and the first thing that jumps out to you is that mostly you're talking about widows, right? And that might be, that that seems to be, for Paul, a synonym for the, the office that, that it, was, it was so obvious to everybody in the church that only widows would go on this list that he's just talking, he just only talks about widows. Why would deaconesses be so universally drawn from the widows of the church that Paul would seem to assume a list is made up entirely of widows? 
The reason is because the first priority that women have is to their husband and to their children and to their work in the home. Meaning there's a huge difference between the men brought into the office of deacon or elder compared to the women brought into this work. Now, what is that difference? Well, you can see the fundamental difference in that even though Paul acknowledges in Corinthians that those like him who aren't married can give themselves more to the work of serving God because they don't have a split commitment both to the work of the kingdom, to the church, and to the work of caring for their family, their wife, and their children, right? Even though that is something that he acknowledges that being married and having children takes away some of the time that you could give otherwise to the work of ministry, I lost my train of thought. Okay, here we go. (laughs) The the distinction between this this passage describing the women and, and that is that for Paul, describing the women, they may not have any other work that they could do caring for other for for family. They, they, they must have already completed all of that work that there was to do. If they have any family, they're not to be put on the list. If they have any children left, if they have any relatives left, if they have anything, any family work that they can do, that they're to, they're to do that work, and that the family is supposed to do the work of prov- providing financially for them as well. Whereas with the men, it is simply assumed that they also have a household while being in office. We went through the list of elder and deacon and their requirements, right? And it doesn't say uh, having had one wife and now being a widower having raised up children, but having finished with all of that work, which is what it says here about the women. You you understand? There's such a fundamental difference between men and women and between the work that they're supposed to be giving themselves to that the man who is set aside to the office of elder or pastor or to deacon, that man is assumed to have a family still. Whereas a woman who is set aside to this particular list, she can't have any family left. Why? Well, because her priority is to the family and to the home in a way that her husband's is not. And this is why there's so often conflict between husbands and wives in regard to work. Because the woman has at her, as her, as her central goal to make sure that the family is good, 
right? (laughs) It's all good in the home. That's her work, to make sure the children are being fed, to make sure they're being clothed, to make sure that they're being provided for. And you go back to Proverbs 31 and the the picture of the Proverbs woman, right? And, And what do you see? You see her making sure that there's food and making sure that there's clothing. You see the same kinds of care about making sure that the household is being done. And what people want to do today is they want to flip this all around. They want to say, oh, well, the the work of the woman, the woman is being held back if she's required to do the work of the home. And this is actually the push for deaconesses today. It's saying, well, you know, really we are underutilizing women in the church. And I say, well, that may be that that may be true. But what is the woman's first priority? It's to the home. In a way that prevents her from being added to the list, no matter how old she is, no matter how well she's lived her life, no matter how many good works she's given herself to. If there's any household work left to do, that's what she's supposed to be doing, rather than being added to the list. You see how different this is than what people are advocating for today with regard to deaconesses. It's just silly. It doesn't have anything to do with this passage. It doesn't have anything to do with wanting to utilize women the way that God has commanded in his word. And so a deacon is something else entirely than a deaconess. And of course, this ignores so far that most obvious first requirement that nobody is looking at, that these are to be widows, and that second most obvious requirement that they are to be at least 60 years old. Now, it does, if, you, if you think about those two requirements in the context of understanding the difference between men and women, it all makes sense. It's obvious. But if you think about those requirements outside the context of the difference between men and women, the difference between the work that they're supposed to be engaged in in the church, then you're totally lost. Because the the people that you would add to the list to make into the the female servants of the church, okay, today would be the high-powered, driven women who are accomplishing it all, not the woman who has nobody left, who's dependent on the, the financial provision of the church, You see how different it is. You would say, what in the world can that woman provide? And the answer is, she can still provide prayers 
day and night. She can still she can still care for the children, the orphans. She can still go into and help in the homes of the, the women in the church. There's all of this work that she can still give herself to do, but that would never match up with our idea today of giving women the dignity of, of you know, being teachers and, and leaders and using their gifts, quote-unquote, in the church as we seek deaconesses in this perverse sense today. They have to be 60 years old. Why? Well, now Paul gets really offensive. Why do they have to be 60 years old? Well, let's first ask the question, well, what if they're not 60 years old? How come they can't serve? Well, because they're supposed to get married and have children. (laughs) Now, I just want that to sink in. It's funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's offensive. But there's, there's no escaping how offensive it is. Right? Rather than becoming a deaconess, actually what you should do is go home and do, do the work that you have to do at home. Oh, you don't have a home? You don't have anybody else that you can care for? No family? Okay, you're truly a widow indeed? Well, you're still too young. You should just get married again. We can't add you to the list. What? It just does not connect at all with what we're going for with this idea of deaconess today, does it? And then it just gets worse when you actually ask, well, why does he require them to do that instead? Not, it's not just because that's the most obvious work that they're supposed to be given to throughout the Bible, the meaning of the, the home for the life of the woman compared to the man is totally different, right? That the man is able to have a household and be a pastor, have a household and be an elder. Why? Well, because his priorities are different. His work is different. But that the woman can't do those things and be a deaconess, that she has to have used up her whole life practically, in doing all of these things that we think today are totally useless, but that actually are the dignity of woman, are actually the goal from the beginning when God made woman, right? It's wonderful. And so then, having done all of that, that is the criteria that she must meet. That is the job uh, qualifications, that she has to meet. She has to have shown herself to be a good woman before she's made into a female servant in the church, continuing to do the good work of a woman, but now for everybody. And then you begin to understand the temptations because she's supposed to keep doing that work. And he says, but not if she's too young because otherwise what will happen is she'll want to She'll want to get married and have children. And there again, 
It's just, it just doesn't add up with what, we're, with what we've been pursuing in, in the evangelical church today with regard to deaconesses, right? Well, what of, what about the single woman who's in her 30s or 40s and who, who has extra time and, and so forth? Why shouldn't she be put on the list? Well, because she, she probably wants to get married and have children. As a matter of fact, that's so natural, that's so fundamental, that you're just going to, you're just going to assume that it would be a danger to have someone begin to devote their life to doing the work of permanently serving the needs of the church in this servantous way, okay, washing the feet of the saints. It just, it just doesn't get lower than that. That was the whole purpose of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, that it's the lowest thing, right? And you begin to do that, and what's going to happen? You're going to want to be able to do that for your home as a woman. You're going to want to establish and be able to do that work for your household because it's what you're made to do because it's so sweet. And you could easily begin to get bitter. You could easily fall into temptation. Or you're just going to get sick of that work and you're going to become what? A busybody, a gossip, going from house to house, because that's the work. You're going to be going to house to house in serving the church and the needs of the church in this position, right? It's doing the work that the church is required to do, and one of those requirements is providing for those who are destitute. You're going to be going and helping the, the, the feeble, the frail. Now, today we think, well, that's the job of the caretaker, right? We pay a caretaker to do that. Well, that's wonderful. You know, um, you've got uh, you've got the money to to pay somebody to come into the house at the end of life and wash them and care for them and feed them as as they're dying. That's wonderful, but. You see, it's the duty, first, of the family to provide that care, and then of the church to provide that care. And so there are certain jobs that women are going to do that men are not going to do. And in the early church, one of the things that we don't really remember today, but that gives you a feel for why there was this need for there to be women, is that when you got baptized... You were baptized naked in the early church. This was the common practice. Not, we don't see that laid out in scripture. I'm just saying early church, that was the common practice. And so you know who baptized the women? Not the pastor. <laughs> you had women to assist in that. Isn't that a good idea? 
So there's two temptations that that Paul lays out. He says, on the one hand, they're going to want to get married and turn aside from the work that they've been dedicated to. And on the other hand, they're they're going to begin to be dissatisfied with the work, and they're going to be tempted to laziness, to being a busybody, to gossiping, and eventually, ultimately, to turning away from God. And so younger widows should simply marry, and that will be a protection to them. Or, if they cannot marry, they can continue practicing and doing the work until they reach 60 years old. And then maybe they can be added to the list. And that's not offensive. It's simply for the protection of those women, for the protection of the families. Like understanding that after 60 years old, there's not so much worry about women going around being in people's homes that are unmarried. You, you understand? This is obvious, but we got to say it. So what does this mean for us? Well, it's really simple. First, once again, women, you've been given wonderful, God-honoring work to do in raising and caring for children in the home. Don't, don't ever believe the culture's lies. And by the culture, I include the evangelical church today that's trying to make it out to be that you're wasting your time, that you, that you could have accomplished so much more if you weren't in the home. <clears throat> don't ever believe their lies. Second of all, Still today, women have a longer life expectancy than men. And so this, even though lots and lots has changed culturally, lots and lots has changed practically, there is still a place for the church to have women who are older, who have done the work of raising children, who have done the work of service to the saints, Okay, there is still a place for them to be on the payroll of the church. There is still a place for the list. For them to be honored, particularly. Because there is still work for women to do in the church. And so it is a sweet thing. Here we are, a small church, It's a sweet thing for us to look forward to, to that time when we will be financially able to and big enough to have the the people necessary both to provide the work to be done and those to do the work, including older women. And we already have in this passage a description of what some of the women are supposed to do when they aren't 
widows indeed, and how their priority is still to be on their home and family that they have. And this is a sweet thing that we see Therese doing, right? It's a joy. And what does she do? Well, she gives herself not just to the service of the Belchers, but to the church. And, and now we're going to go and we're going to have a picnic. And guess who did a bunch of the work? Trees. Isn't that sweet? And so we already see how this church, small as it is, is keeping in obedience to these commands in 1 Timothy, and we see what growing into, uh, what would you say, you know, uh, a larger church, a, a larger community, growing into more needs, growing into more workers, we see how it will continue to apply to us and what additional things we will begin to be able to take on as a church. And that's sweet. It's very, it's very wonderful. And so just like I was a number of weeks ago preaching about the requirements for elders and the requirements for deacons then later and talking about how it is to be, we are as a church to look forward to that day and to be striving towards that day when we do set apart deacons, right? When we do raise up from our own midst elders to lead and care for this church. So we are to look forward to that day and be working towards that day where we have this list. And in the meantime, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. In the meantime, yeah, there's seems to be more work than there are people to do the work sometimes. But hasn't God provided wonderfully for us thus far? And hasn't he strengthened us to do the work? And you know what? Here's the thing. Everyone says, well, you know, being in a church plant is hard. And I joked for a long time about starting a support group for people who had been in church plants. Because... Everyone feels like, oh, you know, I'm burned out from church plants or whatever. But here's the thing. Here's the secret, okay? Being in a larger church that is actually keeping the commands of the New Testament that looks like we see described, for example, in this passage, you know what increases just as fast as the number of people to do the work? The work. <laughs> and so what's, what's really going on is people feel like they need a support group from having to work hard. And I say, yeah, we all, we all grow weary of well-doing, don't we? We all grow weary of well-doing. But here's a woman. Here's a list of women who, having given themselves for decades to the work of caring for children, get the honor of being specifically tasked with continuing 
to do that work until they're no longer able, as the church provides for them. So the reward of good, hard work is more good, hard work. Now, don't let that discourage you, because God is the one who gave you the work, and he's also the one who gives you the strength to make it through. Just like I was talking about a few weeks ago, where if you get lots and lots of exercise, you get stronger. So having your own family strengthens you for then beginning to care for the children of the whole church. If and only if you're not just exercising, but you're also eating properly. And that starts with being fed in the preaching of God's word. Let's go to him in prayer.